My name is Noah Kindig, sports reporter for the Wright State Guardian. As far as my mind is concerned, I'm still on spring break. I cannot, like, do any work right now. I got a new haircut, though, so that's nice. I saw that. Uh, nice I, haircut, Noah. Thank nice you. Haircut. I appreciate it. Uh, and I probably shouldn't have said that I can't feel like I can do any work right now in front of our special guest for today. Uh, my <laughs> boss, Jamie Naylor, editor-in-chief for Wright State Guardian. Jamie, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, the weather has been decently nice this week. It's supposed to be a lot colder later in the week we get, but Monday was very, very nice. Oh, oh. I loved Monday. It was like 70s and sunny. I went for a very long walk. I, it was awesome. Yeah, we had our Guardian, uh, we had our, what was it, news team meeting? Yeah, or we had our news team meeting outside. I was wearing short sleeves oh. and jeans. It was... I know yesterday was like the... First time I've ever like comfortably wore shorts outside, and it felt weird. Well, like, yeah, well, yeah, because yesterday, yesterday wasn't as or nice not as yesterday. Monday. Sorry, I meant Monday, Monday. but yeah. yeah, yeah, it felt very, very nice on Monday. Sadly, it's supposed to get to like mid thirties or like high thirties <laughs> by the end of this week, but we got at least one. Little, it was fun while it lasted. One little <laughs> taste of good weather. One little taste, and it's it's coming. Spring is coming soon. We're in the beginning of March. Uh, Isaac Wernicke, as always, joining us, videographer, mm-hmm. staff videographer, yes. right State Guardian. How you feeling after spring break? I'm feeling good and refreshed. Okay. I know there's a lot to come to uh, this coming, the rest of the semester, I should yeah, say. Yeah, there's a lot coming. Not just the Guardian itself, which are a ton of events um, Yeah. on its own, sorry, but with a bunch of like motion pictures department stuff, and yeah, I'm just preparing myself, but yeah, excited. Yeah. Class-wise, uh, I know I got hit pretty hard coming back, uh, not just because of assignments. I think teachers have been pretty lenient. Like, they don't assign you stuff. Like, as soon as you come back, it's due, like, you know, near the end of the week. But, you know, you get your midterm grades back, and you realize whether you did well or whether you messed up on some of them. Some of them I did well. Some of them I messed up on. But we don't we don't have to talk about that too much <laughs> right now. Um, what I want to do talk about, I, I generally look for stories, like, around the world that really interest me. And one that I want to talk about today is one that I didn't even know happened. This is about five days ago. We like to think that we know everything there is to know. Like, in the modern age, we like to know, like, we have computers. We, we think that we know everything there is to know about the world and about, like, the countries that we live in and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. The island of Japan, I don't know if either of you saw this, they did a survey of their lands. They, like, went up and had satellites look at their lands and everything they own. And for years and years and years, it is said in textbooks that the island of Japan is made up of about 7,000 islands. Mm-hmm. They did a survey of everything they own, and it turns out that Japan found 7,000 islands, doubling the amount of islands that Japan owns, like just across the Pacific Ocean or around their territory, that they had no idea even existed in the first place. What? They They haven't done satellite readings or anything since 1987, and they just did one about five days, like the results came back about five days ago, and they picked up from aerial from photos of like airplanes flying over from satellite yeah. photography. There are seven thousand islands around the Pacific Ocean, oh, around their territory. Oh my gosh! That it's actually not too surprising. Yeah, it's not. We would talk. So I'm in a I'm in my general ed science class so that I can graduate. Right, and it's also in environmental sciences. And yesterday we were talking about like seismic plates mm-hmm. and like islands and like the whole like ring of fire in the Pacific in the Pacific. And like it's crazy to think, but like the off shifts like yeah. four centimeters, like every single year. Yeah. And like new islands pop up and others sink just like into mm-hmm. the ocean. And it it's crazy. Like the earth, like the like what the earth can do 
is like actually kind of insane. It it is weird as well to think of like yeah we're standing on solid ground, but actually it's moving. What is it like ninety kilometers an hour every second? Like because of the Earth, like the way that it rotates, so we're actually moving like at ninety kilometers an hour technically. Mm-hmm. It's weird to like think about how we we like to think we know everything and we are standing on solid ground, but in reality we're moving. New islands are popping up every day. Um, and these islands aren't like you know giant by any sense of the imagination. Some of them are only about three hundred feet long, but still, to just I mean, I'm sure Japan thought they knew everything there was to know. Like they have all the territory around them, they know what everything looks like. And then the survey comes back and says, "Yeah, guys, there's like seven thousand islands out there that we didn't know we had. And what are we gonna do with them now? Who owns them? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And it's also crazy to think the amount of science like that we do know, which is a very small percentage yeah uh compared to the science that we have no clue about Mm -hmm. absolutely and it is so cool because that means that there's so much opportunity for for discovery Mm -hmm. and you know i even think like as college students and like our stem programs and whatnot like we just have so much to explore and so much to discover it is the coolest thing yeah, and and it is sad when you like kind of compare it to recent events where there are new discoveries happening and we're discovering new things, and then you move back to uh, a story that I posted in the general of our Slack chat. I don't know if you ended up seeing this, uh, but there was that train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. We talked about it the fume, the fumes uh, flying up into the sky. There was another train derailment in Ohio, mm-hmm. in Springfield, Ohio, mm-hmm. which is about twenty five minutes up a drive from where we are currently. And we were very lucky that 28 train cars derailed. And of the train cars that derailed, none of them were the ones that were full of toxic chemicals. There were about, uh, in a news story that I saw, about 15 to 20 train cars that were filled with toxic materials that could have exploded, that could have created a very similar situation to what happened in East Palestine here. And we got lucky that of the train cars that derailed, none of them were the ones that had toxic chemicals in them. So we Maybe got lucky. Maybe we should be playing the lotto at this point. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. It yeah. was like when I saw that, I was very nervous. I was like, oh no, here we go again. Mm-hmm. But I'm very glad that none of the none of them that derailed were dangerous. I mean, it's kind of a problem that trains are derailing. I know there was also one in Michigan. Um, yeah. Not too long after the East Palestine incident, and I believe there was like one or in Arizona or something. I know it was out west. But, like, train derailments, like, are actually, like, fairly common, especially ever since the business over the railroad union Mm -hmm. and just the whole situation um, with that and just, like, railroad companies in general and some of the practices. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and, and the biggest thing about this for me is that um, the train company in East Palestine, Ohio, and the one here in Springfield are the same company it's norfolk southern who runs the lines and runs the trains and it, it was the same thing they that, need to get their stuff together <laughs> and it was it, it was the same thing that happened in springfield and it's a serious issue and i personally it seems like this isn't something that's going to get fixed and that's something that scares me is that it was like a national new- i mean i guess we live in ohio so i can't really tell if it was a national news story but it seems like it was on cnn it was on fox it was on all these other like both sides of the aisle news organizations. So it seems like it was a national story, but it also seems like nothing's really going to happen about it. Yeah. That's, that's always the concern. And I feel like that's a concern 
with a lot of hot button topics right now is that something horrible will happen mm-hmm. and then it just seems like it goes nowhere. Yeah. And is that is that politics? Is that something that we're used to as it like is it um something that we're used to where nothing gets done? Is it politics? Is it, like is it something I like what like is it about this to like politics? Yeah. Because if you think about it, um, you know, and also like after these like crazy horrible events People need to do more than just talk about it. They need to, like, email the representatives and be like, hey, this horrible thing happened, and I'm not chill with it. If they're not chill with it, and if they are chill with it, you know, then they can just also email the representatives about that. Be like, hey, I'm chill with it. But, you know, um, but also just, you know, taking, like, preventative action, Mm -hmm. you know. And I went to Rainbow Alliance's, um, open forum last night. It was a very good conversation. And we were having a conversation about politics and how it seems these days that the parties like are clashing with each other so much that like nothing can get done because they can't agree on anything. Mm-hmm. They can't really do anything like bipartisanly. And it's like at this point like there are so many preventable issues and like real issues that we need to address and like need to address bipartisanly, like mm-hmm. non nonpartisanly, um, and that like they just need to sit into a room. Like all politicians, all parties need to just get in a room and like compromise and talk things out mm-hmm. in a reasonable manner. I, I remember hearing a really weird story uh about Teddy Roosevelt, who was an American president, and yeah. there was I a love Teddy. and there was a <laughs> workers' rights protest and the bosses who like were not hiring them back from the strike and it was over coal plants. So like mm-hmm power was shutting down people weren't going to get like warmth in their homes for the winter so it was a big issue teddy roosevelt called the leaders of like the workers strike and called the business leaders without letting uh the other group know that they were going to be there like he basically said oh i'm going to talk to you and not to them oh i'm going to talk to you and yeah. not to them brought them both in uh sat them down and locked the door in the white house and said this door does not get unlocked and there's no food and water until you make a deal Mm-hmm. and in a couple hours deal got made and people got warmth in their homes for the winter and i don't know if that's something that needs to happen somehow i don't know if joe biden is gonna lock <laughs> republicans and democrats in a room <laughs> and say you guys need to figure it out um i mean that's an idea but, i don't know how legal that is i don't but... i don't think that would fly in 2023 i really yeah. don't but you know maybe joe biden can go off who knows <laughs> Um, but it, it does seem like with this um, two-party system, if it if you're going to make legislation happen, you either need a majority to be in one. It, you need a majority to be in power. Like you need one party to run the presidency, run Congress, run House. Or if it's you know uh, a two-party system where there's power on one side for the presidency or power on one side for the House, you need to have an alignment of either values or you need to have an alignment of things that you agree on or you at least need to recognize that there's a problem mm-hmm. and it seems like right now at least for the big problems they don't agree on what big problems are and they don't hold similar like values and i think that's where the conversation is breaking down and like currently was split yes and that's like causing a real issue but you're totally right like they don't even they can't even recognize the the problem or mm-hmm. like even agree that they're 
is a problem mm-hmm. or like what those problem is and i think i think that's where the hold up is because if one sees it as a problem they're gonna want to do something about it but if another is just like oh this is this is not a problem then they're not gonna really want to do anything about it yes so, or, or both sides kind of recognize that there's a problem and they have very different ideas on like i'm not giving any wiggle room this is my solution this is your solution and both parties don't have any wiggle room for their solutions like can we just talk to each other can we just like yeah. listen to each i'm sorry other? to throw out politics to you isaac i know we've talked in the past <laughs> you're not a politics guy so i'm really sorry to kind of throw <laughs> this in front of you i'm i if you guys saw me before um and anybody just watching on spotify i'm literally just going like this <laughs> listening to you guys. Just, just rolling back no, and forth. you guys bring up like amazing points i I, I feel so bad whenever i bring up politics because i know you're not a political guy well, and i feel really bad about it no i i I honestly like agree. There are like things that need to be done, mm-hmm. and I'm having to, uh, excuse me, avid believer in that. That mm-hmm. people need to be um, more assertive, and they not necessarily more assertive, um, but they just need to come to the root of the problem and just figure it everything out. Um, and just like what you guys mentioned, I mean, you they basically just gotta go for it, like put what they think is important out there. In. In, in a sense, it's better to put legislation that would be like completely awful forward and at least have a vote on it rather than do what they're doing now, which is, is it feels like there's no legislation being put forward or if there is legislation being put forward, it's so one-sided that it's never going to pass in the first place and mm-hmm. it's just out there to like score political points. Yeah, and also like especially with like environmental legislation, like I cannot think of, like, a big environmental piece of legislation that has been passed, like, within the last year or even the last the, few years. The only piece of environmental legislation that I can think of off the top of my head is the Green New Deal. And while that I agree... That was a while ago. That was a long... That's, like, the only one... That, I'm sure there have been things that have, been like, like, been proposed before then, but my thing with the Green New Deal was, like, yes, there are some good things here, but it was written so much, like, with democratic policies and with democratic ideas in it that with how many Republicans were voting on it at that point, it's never going to pass. And I love the idea. I love where it's coming from. But you have to put bills forward that not only work, but are actually going to pass. Because if it's not going to pass, what's the point? Yeah. Like, if it, like sometimes, I mean, it's like that line in Hamilton, which is my favorite musical. It's the art of the compromise. Yes, and it is. people aren't really, like, seeing the the art of the compromise. Yes. And it's it's frustrating. And I feel like, you know, as I was talking with people yesterday, they're frustrated and over politics mm-hmm. because because it, it's it's frustrating for people mm-hmm. and yeah. And, and that is kind of one thing that I wanted to ask, and specifically why I was happy to have you on today is as the EIC of a media group, I feel like politics, but and not just that, but like you are ahead of one group that is a media group, which in a sense means that you have to like. Do you feel like you have to be a part of so many other groups? Like you talked about going to Rainbow Alliance. Do you feel a need that, like, because you're an EIC, you have to be knowledgeable in politics, that you have to be all these things? Or is that something that you just kind of naturally do anyway? I feel like it's a mix of both. Yeah. So for our listeners, I actually started out as a political science major here at Wright State, and I'm a media studies major. And I started out as the Guardian's political writer in mm-hmm. 2020. So I already had a natural inclination to to politics um but i feel like i know a lot about current events just because i like i like to know about that stuff Mm -hmm. and i feel like as an eic as an editor as a journalist like we need to know what's going on in the world like i read the news 
for like a like at least like 30 minutes every single morning and every single night before I go to bed just so that I know what's going on but I'm also knowledgeable of other groups and other other things because I'm a part of a lot of groups and as I was going to talk about a little bit later you know um I'm uh I'm queer I'm part of the LGBTQA community I'm you know a gender non-conforming woman I'm you know, I'm a person with disabilities, so I'm going to be in all these other spaces and know about all these other spaces and all these other topics because I'm a part of those spaces. Yeah. And I share some of those identities. But, and I like to inform myself and about those, not only those spaces, but about spaces that I'm also not a part of because I like to have a well-rounded view of, like, what is going on in the world and just be aware of myself and of the people around me and the things and issues that are around me so that I can adequately listen to people, adequately address situations, adequately and critically think about different topics to create my own view on the topic. Mm Um, well, if I have no view on the topic, then just remain completely neutral. So, yeah, I feel like it's a mix of both of just some of who I am as a person and some of my natural inclinations, but also the responsibility of, like, I got to know what's going on because part of my job is, you know, being the messenger for the public and making sure that the public knows what's going on so that they themselves can make informed decisions. Um, and sometimes it's even regarding their safety. So yeah, yeah I feel and, like it's a mix of both. And, and when you say that it's a mix of both, I actually think it's very similar for us. I think it's a bit more extreme for you because you like juggle so many different things. But for me, I was a sports guy for a long mm-hmm. time, and I, I enjoyed sports. But I feel like as a sports reporter, I absentmindedly, like, I was never much of a baseball guy. Mm-hmm. But now when I cover baseball, I know how to read a baseball statue. When I go watch... Uh, a tennis match or when I go, you know, see a football game now, I become a lot more invested in sports than I normally wouldn't be because I'm a sports reporter and I look mm-hmm. at it from that angle. And I think you, you've always been like a videography guy. Like we, we've talked about, like you've been a, you've loved movies ever since yeah. you were a kid. Mm-hmm. But now you kind of, I think hear more about news stories than you would beforehand because oh, you work totally. with news all the time. It's so bizarre. Like I'm just so grateful of like how many doors just an opportunity like this has opened for me. Just because like we're more than just like a camera person, you know. We're yeah. video journalists. Yeah. We tell stories yeah. through the camera. That's our medium, yeah. and it's just it really just opened up so many doors and just like so many different ideas of how to tell the stories that matters to the public mm-hmm. and. It's just, yeah, incredible. Yeah, and, and so I think for all of us, it's been um, a little bit of passion, something that we enjoy doing for 50% or one part of it. And then the other part of it has been, as we evolve in our job, we become more passionate or more knowledgeable about things that we wouldn't have been otherwise mm-hmm. working for, for news. Sure. And, I, and I think that's a good thing, especially yeah. as news people. I mean, or just as like citizens of the United States, knowing what's going on in the world is probably a pretty good thing to know. Yeah, and, like, you want to be well-rounded. But I completely agree with Isaac that journalism, like, going into journalism, it has opened my eyes to so much. And it just has made me really knowledgeable and open to so many different ideas and to so many different people just because you learn so much and you get to hear from, like, I 
like in I've been with the Guardian for three years now, and I've done close to 200 articles and over 300 interviews mm-hmm. and conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Well, those are 300 new perspectives that I have in my life that I didn't previously have. Right. And that's just the coolest thing to me. Mm-hmm. And I love being able to, like, as the IC, I love being able to bring people on the team and, like, offer that same opportunity for people of being, like, guess what? You can learn about this, too. You can have this door. You can have this opportunity. And I... Yeah, I just love it. Yeah. So join the Guardian. Yeah, so join the Guardian. That, that, that's our ad. That's, yeah. what uh, that's our ad. Or a shameless plug. Um. Yeah. Um, but I know, Jamie, there is something special that you want to talk about today because today's a special day. And in journalism, I know you have a few people that you really look up to in that space. So I wanted to take it away. It and tell us why today's such a special day. Today's a special day because it's International Women's Day. Um, so this is a day that so it's global. Um, that's why it's called International, and it's a day that celebrates women and their social, economic, political, cultural, and educational achievements um, and reflect on the feminist movement and advocate for gender equality and equity. Um, so, like, uh, advocating for, like, pay equality, rights to bodily autonomy, right to education, right to fair treatment in the workplace, topics on women and violence, a bunch of things. It covers a bunch of topics. And as I said up top, you know, I'm not a binary woman. Like, I don't identify within the binary. But yet, I still have keep that woman and female part of my identity because that's what I lived. Um, those are the experiences that I have. And I'm very proud to be a part of the, that community and to have those experiences, even if not all of them were great. Um, and there was, it's really cool to see this movement and this day evolve. Because feminism and anything to do with women empowerment, it used to just be white, cisgender, heterosexual, straight women. And now we get to celebrate women of all different spectrums, of all different races, religions, origins, backgrounds, identities, sexual orientations, just like all these different women. And we can just come together as a community and celebrate each other and ourselves. And it's it's awesome how this day and how this movement um, has evolved. You don't even need to be a feminist to celebrate International Women's Day. You don't even need to be a woman. So um, that's really, really cool. Um, a question that I had for you guys as we kind of reflect on this day and celebrate the achievements of women, um, is there any, like, person or female identifying person in your life that has been really impactful or that you like really look up to i i I remember you kind of writing this down uh because you like said to me what you wanted to talk about to today and my immediate answer is the most cop-out answer but i'll try to like explain why it's my mom and i know that's like and i know that's like the most cop-out answer in history but i swear she's amazing okay um she is an obgyn obstetrician gynecologist and i cannot tell you um, cause I, I grew up in Lima, Ohio, which is like 35,000 people. So like, it's a pretty big town. It's amazing how many people in the county fair would walk up to me and say, I knew your mom. She delivered my child, which is a very weird thing to say to somebody when they don't know who you are. But, um, my mom, uh, has been a women's doctor and has delivered 
children for close to double the time I've been alive, 30 plus years now. She has been an educator. She works here now at Wright State and she'll be retiring in a few months. So Wait, congratulations your mom to her. works at Wright State? Yes, she is Dr. Marilyn Kindigstall, D.O. And she works for Boonshoff School of Medicine here at Wright State at the medical school. How did I not know this? I didn't know awesome. that either. <laughs> yeah, um, and she will be uh, enjoying a tremendously well-deserved retirement in a couple months so congratulations to my mom for that um but she has brought so many people into this world and she created her own company called women's health for life as a branch off of the hospital to make sure that women were getting quality treatment for children for whatever diseases might affect them um and so for my mom uh happy international women's day to my mom uh an absolute mentor and a great person in my life and still uh, as she is working incredibly hard and is only a few months away from retirement, I will get emails from her every couple days letting me know of jobs that are available as I'm currently looking for a job. <laughs> so she is still my mom through and through, but she is an incredible doctor through and through as well. So That's awesome. That's a great response. Well, Noah took my idea. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah, I'm going to choose my mom. I mean, <laughs> like literally day one, she's always got my back and just always, you know, wanting what's best for me. Always, without a doubt. And she worked tremendously hard to get to that point. Um, we didn't have, like, great upbringings like any other, like, family that lived near us. But, like, my whole family, just from the get-go, from the start, was just uh, just the golden route. Like, mm-hmm. do treat others how you would want to be treated whatnot. And... They always just taught me well. I mean, I don't consider myself very ab- obnoxious person. <laughs> and, like, they're the ones who really kind of just taught me to be who I am today. And I always overlook that, you know. Um, and just, I guess, uh, just happy International Women's Day to my mom. Yeah. <laughs> so heartfelt. <laughs> I love that. Unfortunately, I do not have a really great walking relationship with my mother I haven't talked to her for several years but I've been really really grateful and really really um I don't want to say blessed because like I don't I'm an atheist but kind of (laughs) blessed in a sense that I've had a lot of great women in my life who have been mentors to me (laughs) and who have kind of um filled in the gaps um per se like I know my sister Jules um they are also, they're like me, they're not really necessarily on the binary, but they, they like literally helped raise me and they helped me become the person that I am today. And uh, Jules graduated from, from my state with a psychology degree last year and now they work at Daybreak um, in downtown Dayton and they help homeless and unhoused youths um you know find housing and find and you know help them create better lives for themselves and that is just so inspiring to me to see someone help the community and really give back um and that's just like i i love jewels i look up to them um and i also feel like i've you know had just a lot of great like older women like i know like we've all had have had debbie a Mm -hmm. wonderful advisor in our lives um, who has like mentored us like as leaders and as student leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've had a lot of great editors um, in my past, like Mackenzie Hoflin, my editor. I've always looked up to her and always hoped to be um, as good as an editor-in-chief as she was and just 
and like even before that had so many amazing um women in our life and we have some really really amazing women and female identifying people here on campus um no i know you mentioned your mom who's also a faculty member um i believe this person is retired but dr nancy garner she's uh is or still was i can't remember if she retired or not she's the person who founded the women's center um you know here on campus so there's just a ton of just amazing amazing women out there who who are changing the world and yeah good for them Mm -hmm. good for them yeah happy international women's day well after that feel good after that feel good section we have a sometimes i like to call it a feel good story because it makes me laugh We'll mm-hmm. move on to our Florida Man Wednesday for this week. Isaac, no, what do you got for it's us? It's so weird. Normally we go from like depressing to Florida Man story. But I usually try to do that. Full to I, Florida Man, and I, I I like it. I like I like the good vibes. I like the good feeling. Oh yeah, yeah, we're keeping good vibes in this studio. Maybe yeah. maybe I'll do like we'll do all the depressing stuff at the beginning, and then we'll keep it like a good vibe like, yeah. throughout the rest. Maybe I'll yeah. do I'll take care of the depressing stuff from now on. <laughs> yeah, you take well. That's uh when I did uh Guardian Morning News. Yeah. Last semester, that's what we did. Is that we started out pretty pretty bleak. Um, <laughs> and then you ended on a good note. And then we ended on on a really high note mm-hmm. so you know maybe that's maybe we solved the key to radio yeah what, what do you got for <laughs> what do you got for us this week isaac well hello this is florida man wednesday and as per usual we discuss one florida individual and discuss it with yours truly um the headline for this article reads florida man arrested for trying to get alligator intoxicated excuse me yes Okay. You heard that right. Okay. <laughs> the story is according to the New York Post. Timothy Kepke, I apologize if I did not pronounce that right, a 27-year-old of Hobbs Sound, allegedly fed someone or set, fed some beer to an alligator, which also bit him on August 26th in Palm City, according to Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission report. That's, that, that's one way to calm the yeah. alligator down after it bites you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Moments earlier, um, Timothy told police Noah Osborne, 22 years old, caught the alligator with his bare hands in the report. Bare hands. That's, mm-hmm. that's impressive. Timothy told authorities he had consumed a few beers that day, but claimed he wasn't intoxicated during the incident. His words, not mine. <laughs> he consumed a few, officer. I had a few. I feel like this is also like the perfect like coming back from spring break storm. Yeah. Because I don't know if you saw. Oh, I should have brought it with me. So I found this issue from the Guardian from our archives. Mm-hmm. It was like 2016 where we had um, a bunch of people uh, submit like the craziest spring break stories. Yeah. And they yeah. all had to deal with um intoxication. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I'm not saying all college students are like that. I know I'm not like that. But, you know, it happens. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so what happened to this guy? Yeah, like what happened? Is, so okay? um, after the feeding, I love how they called it. The, the feeding. <laughs> the feeding. The, the feeding. so-called feeding, yeah. um, which was recorded, the duo released the animal back into the wild. That's what Timothy told the officers. Authority obtained a video Though it's unclear how, and on September 17th, confronted Timothy at his home, where he cooped 
to the crime. I I think I pronounced that right, cooped or something Co- like co-opted? that. Co-opted? I think that means yeah, like he admitted like, he admitted yeah, being a part admitted, of it. He admitted yeah. being a part mm-hmm. of it. Okay. Um, sorry, my English. No, you're bad. good. That's why I deal with the camera. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is a really weird one for me because we usually will debate like whether they're gu- they're guilty or not. Can you feed? Can you give an animal alcohol? Like, is that? I feel I feel like that's one of those things in the law that nobody would have written down. Yeah, like that I, should be like Florida law only. <laughs> Florida law, Florida law only. Do not give the alligators just, beer. I feel like that's like almost like pu- that's a public safety issue because like if that alligator already bit the one dude, like it's probably gonna get agitated. Also, you could seriously harm animals by giving them substances mm-hmm. that they like can't have. Like that's that's kind of cruel and like not fair to the yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm there- on the alligator side. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> there, there, there should be some kind of punishment for this. I just don't know what like how do you punish mm-hmm. somebody giving an alligator some kind of beer. Also, I'm curious what kind of beer it is. My money's on Budweiser. <laughs> My money's on Budweiser. I'm not but... sure. I'll have to do some extra research. But on yeah. September 21st, a woman who was with the two men at the time confirmed this to be true to the police. Um, both uh, Timothy and Mr. Osborne were arrested on October 3rd and charged with unlawfully taking an alligator. Oh. And this happened. Sorry, I didn't say this but this happened in 2019 okay so that is something they can be charged with unlawfully grabbing an alligator yes. i didn't so, like, know alligator that. kidnapping yeah, al- yeah alligator napping so that's one thing that you can do and then like maybe animal like with, could that be animal abuse oh yeah giving Definitely. it alcohol yeah. yeah okay so i don't know what the punishment is for kidnapping an alligator and for <laughs> animal abuse but i think animal abuse at least in ohio is some kind of jail time if i'm not mistaken oh it Definitely is for sure. I'm trying to look up. Um, so I feel like I feel like we're doing a couple days in jail for the alligator, and like at least a fine, and some kind of fine for the unlawful capturing of said alligator. Yeah, I think I think that's what we're dealing with here, right? So can we just address the fact that it's crazy how there are just an abundance of alligators in Florida that you can just like nab one off the street. Like well, the, one of the first Florida man stories so that uncomfortable. one of the first Florida man stories that he ran through was that one guy grabbed a baby alligator off the street and then got mad at a Wendy's drive through and he threw the baby alligator through the Wendy's drive through and it was just walking around in the Wendy's. <laughs> alligators are just like sim NPCs that just roam <laughs> Florida. <laughs> they just they just roam. Until, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, but that also kind of like not to make it kind of depressing again but like that also kind of speaks to like climate change because like florida was it used to be a really really large natural wetland yeah um and with like development and whatnot it lost like florida lost a lot of its wetland um area and its wetland species and, may- and maybe that's why they're actually like, kicked out of the home that's yeah. what i was gonna say is maybe that's why they're popping up is like either there's less wetlands like at all so like they all corral there or like mm-hmm. the wetlands that were there like people built there so then the alligators are like you're here in our home what's going on yeah 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 i was unfortunately not able to find what kind of alcohol the I, alligator bu- was served we all know it's bud light we all know it's bud light. <laughs> oh yeah definitely. Or, or bud light one of those <laughs> um but i believe that is all the time that we have for today after mm-hmm. that alligator napping thank you so much to our amazing boss jamie naylor Yay. for joining thank us today super me. grateful to have them here 
Uh, thank you to Isaac Wernicke, as always, for joining course, us for Raider course. Report and uh, for me and for my two friends on the opposite side of the studio. Thank you for watching Raider Report, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Yeah.